This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Yes, that would be me, your host, here on KDVS's Public Affairs Broadcasting. And before we're done today, we're going to be talking to some other people affiliated with this great station. And yes, I do realize that we're being rebroadcast up in Chico on KZFR. And of course, we don't mean to imply that KZFR is also not a great community-based radio station. And doggone it, we're going to make our way up to Chico sometime in the weeks to come to do some direct reporting up there. We've been talking about that for years, but we will be doing it, I swear. But uh, today's focus will be closer to home here in Davis on KDVS. And joining us in our second half to talk about the history of this illustrious station will be, I guess we'd have to call him KDVS historian, Jerry Drawhorn. He's currently a professor of anthropology over at, at CSU Sacramento. And we're also going to continue speaking with more KDVS Public Affairs hosts. In our third segment, we will be speaking with Adam, better known to you perhaps as Tummy Bumper, described as a radio diary of the struggles of host Tummy Bumper to become a successful music producer. That's going to be fun. We're going to start today's program with a man who transcends local radio. In fact, is a national figure. He is without a doubt America's foremost political comedian, Mr. Will Durst, and we're pleased to be able to bring him to you on a regular basis. At the end of every year, Mr. Durst generally looks back at the top 10 comedic news stories. And frankly, I can't think of a stronger way to start today's program. So, Mr. McMillan? Hey guys, Will Durst here with your eagerly anticipated top 10 comedic news stories of 2014. Now please do not confuse these with the top 10 legitimate news stories of 2014. None other as different as banjos and bullfrogs. There were quite a few events that lent themselves to humorosity-ness, and these are them. Number 10, the new study by German scientists suggesting that beer helps prevent prostate cancer. So let's stop calling them bars and start referring to them as what they are, clinics. Number nine, the Winter Olympics in Sochi. And the world is relieved when Vladimir Putin doesn't enter the triathlon by slapping on skis and shooting Ukrainian journalists shirtless. Number eight, the ice bucket challenges, which swept the country. Celebrities enjoy being seen as all wet during the summer. These days, not so much. Number seven, Toronto Mayor Rob Ford runs for re-election, but Torontoans refuse to give him another crack at it. Number six, Pope Francis says his theology is not in opposition to evolution. This guy really does look determined to drag the Catholic Church kicking and screaming into the latter half of the 19th century. Number five. Alaska, Oregon, and D.C. join Washington and Colorado in the Legal Marijuana Club. Stock of Frito-Lay, the makers of Funyuns, and Cheetos skyrockets. Number four, Donald Sterling's racist comments, which result in a lifetime ban from the NBA. And many folks hope he lives to be 105 and is forced to bunk with Cliven Bundy. Number three, the Obamacare rollout. President said it could have gone smoother. You think? An anvil study with titanium spikes could have rolled smoother. 
Number two, Arizona debates Senate Bill 1062, which would legalize bigotry based on religious beliefs. The postal abbreviation AZ apparently stands for angry xenophobes, and yeah, xenophobe starts with an X, but they don't know that. And finally, the number one comedic news story of the year 2014, the midterm elections. Mitch McConnell says he wants to work with the president. Yeah, the same way a five-year-old with a magnifying glass wants to work with ants. For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst. I know we like to start every program with On This Date in History, but we thought Mr. Durst was just too on it today. So, good stuff. And uh, while some of it's good and some of it's bad, today was certainly a red-letter day in world history, December 11th. So let's jump into some of these curious items. It was on December 11th in the year 1769 that Edward Beaven of London patented Venetian blinds. And no, we had no idea that Venetian blinds weren't invented in Venice either. And again, maybe they were, but maybe it took Edward Beaven to get around to patenting them. On December 11th in 1844, nitrous oxide, better known as laughing gas, became the first dental anesthetic. Actually became the first reliable anesthetic of any kind when Dr. John Riggs used it for a tooth extraction on Dr. Horace Wells in Hartford, Connecticut. Some years back on this program, we suggested that we should do a segment, a full segment on the history of anesthesia, how it got started. There is a controversy on who should take the credit for it. And uh, by God, Mr. Millen, make a note of that. In January, we're going to do that topic. Duly noted. And it was on December 11th in 1872, when after already appearing as a well-known figure of the Wild West in the dime novels of the time, Buffalo Bill Cody made his first stage appearance in a production of The Scouts of the Prairie in Chicago. And we have some, I think, appropriate music for this, Mr. McMillan. There's no business like show business, like no business I know. Everything about it is appealing. Everything yes, and if you're wondering how that's appropriate music for the story about Buffalo Bill Cody, it was his Wild West show that became the setting for Annie Oakley later in life. And after that, Irving Berlin's wonderful Annie Get Your Gun. And frankly, if there's any way Mr. McMillan can shoehorn in Ethel Merman's version of there's no business like show business, we're going to take it. All right, December 11th, 1917, German-occupied Lithuania proclaimed its independence from Imperial Russia. That lasted till 1939 when Hitler and Stalin cut a deal for dividing up Eastern Europe, and Lithuania became the Lithuanian Soviet Socialist Republic, along with the fellow Baltic states Latvia and Estonia. And happily, with the breakup of the USSR, they again have become independent nations. And speaking of Nazis, it was on this date, December 11th in 1936, that King Edward VIII of England abdicated the throne. This came about due to the king's determination to marry an American divorcee, Wallace Simpson. Actually, the twice-divorced Wallace Simpson. Not only was she a commoner, she was an American. And not only that, twice-divorced? Good God, the king has to go. The fact that there were strong rumors that he was something of a Nazi sympathizer, I think, would have been (laughs) a better reason to show him the door. But whatever. 
And on this date, December 11th in 1939, the celebrated German actress Marlene Dietrich recorded her hit song, Falling in Love Again, which I think we have to use. Falling in love again Never wanted to What am I to do? I can't help it and getting to Hitler himself on December 11th in 1941. The Nazi dictator made one of the greatest mistakes of his political career when he decided to declare war on the United States in sympathy with his imperialist Japan's allies' attack on Pearl Harbor. Prior to that, America had not declared war on Germany. And it's sort of hard to imagine how World War II might have gone forward if Hitler had not declared war in the United States. Perhaps we would have remained neutral and focused a war against the Japanese Empire. We should talk in some future program about how it was that uh, the conservatives in the Senate and elsewhere in the U.S. were determined to have the U.S. not tilt with Britain against Nazi Germany. That would be an interesting, uh, interesting show. Make a note of that, Mr. McMillan. On a happier note, it was December 11th in 1946, in the aftermath of the World War II catastrophe, the General Assembly of the United Nations voted to establish the United Nations International Children's Emergency Fund, better known as UNICEF. It's an organization to help provide relief and support to children living in countries devastated by the war and is still doing that today because, unfortunately, wars are still with us. It was on December 11th in 1972 that Apollo 17 landed on the moon's surface for a three-day exploration. Tragically, it was the final Apollo mission to the moon, and we've not been back since. And damn it, it's high time that got corrected. All right, and these final two items I think are an interesting segue into our future talk, we hope, with Professor Peter Dale Scott of UC Berkeley. His new book on the deep politics of the United States and the world may be his magnum opus, and we are really looking forward to speaking to him about that effort. But uh, that would include these two items, as I say. December 11, 1978, massive riots and demonstrations take place in Tehran against the Shah of Iran, which involved a lot of deep politics we don't have time to go into today. December 11, 1994, and the largest Russian military offensive since the 1979 invasion of Afghanistan by the Soviets. Thousands of troops and hundreds of tanks poured into the breakaway Russian Republic of Chechnya, Encountering only light resistance, Russian forces had by the evening pushed to the outskirts of the Chechen capital of Grozny, where several thousand Chechen volunteers vowed a bitter fight against the Russians. And what happened against the Russian government by Islamic jihadists in Chechnya had something to do with what happened on 9-11, a topic we look forward to exploring in the future. All right, our quote of the day comes from... Teddy Roosevelt, who once said, knowing what's right doesn't mean much unless you do what's right. Our quip of the day comes from Tony Bennett, who said, if you're creative, you get busier as you get older. Personally, I would say to modify that, uh, if you're creative, you should do your best to keep busier as you get older. Our joke of the day comes from the writers for Jimmy Fallon, who noted that umpire Dale Scott recently became the first major league umpire to come out as gay. Well, 
He says he's out, but another um says he's safe. So I guess now we have to see what the replay shows. We'll add our bonus joke. Umpire Dale Scott came out during an interview with Referee Magazine. It's a huge shock, you know, that there's something called Referee Magazine. All right, our stat of the day, which we've been sitting on for a couple weeks, is that the Ebola virus has been circulating in bats and marsupials for 10 to 24 million years, according to scientists at the University of Buffalo. That's their estimate. That makes Ebola at least 50 times older than mankind. And yeah, that's got to be one of our weirdest stats ever. Our anecdote, in quotes, for this week... I'm not sure this really counts as an anecdote, but what the hell. Apparently, the boxer whom 62-year-old Mickey Rourke defeated last week in a Moscow exhibition match was a homeless man paid to throw the fight, according to the Daily Mail. Yes, Elliot Seymour is a former Golden Gloves champion who trains at the same L.A. gym as Rourke, but sources say the 29-year-old has been living on the streets for several months. Seymour went down during the second round after taking a series of body punches, blows that prompted laughter from the ringside announcer. Apparently, Seymour denies throwing the fight. Let's jump into the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to the Week magazine, it was a good week last week for going directly to jail after a New Hampshire woman, age 21, was arrested on assault charges after she slapped her boyfriend during an argument over a game of Monopoly. Reportedly, she did not pass go and did not collect $200. And sadly, to our knowledge, she did not possess a get-out-of-jail-free card. Was, on the other hand, a bad week for sharing last week with the news that India's new yoga minister, (laughs) and yes, they apparently have a yoga minister, has said he wants to reclaim yoga from secular Western teachers, perhaps by seeking the same kind of region-specific trade protection given to Champagne from France and for Florida oranges. We're trying to establish to the world that it's ours, said Shripad Yeso Naik. And darn it, why doesn't the Obama cabinet have a yoga minister? And it was an ugly week last week for air travel with the news that a woman got boated from a U.S. Airways flight in Hartford, Connecticut after her pig stunk up the cabin. Yes, reportedly, Rachel Barner, age 29, was allowed to board the craft with her 70-pound pig because she had it classified as a, quote, emotional support animal, unquote. Which, of course, is something that an owner needs to cope with stress. But apparently, as the flight prepared to take off from Bradley International Airport, the pig squirmed in the aisle and then pooped. Said an irate passenger, the plane smelled like a barnyard. The women and her hog were reportedly then escorted off the plane. Said another passenger, I guess pigs didn't fly today. Always having dirt to play. 
I think this would be a perfect place to take a break. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. Let's talk about KDVS when we come back. You will find a bigger piggy stirring up the dirt. Always have clean shirts to play. 